Hey, you know, uh, speaking of COVID, speaking of pastoring churches, speaking of being a church that is working for God, life can be challenging sometimes, right? It can be big. It can be big. Uh, it's big for me. It's big for you. Uh, it's, a lot of the times it's big. And it can be so big that it's like we can't get our arms around it. You know that feeling? And you just kind of wonder what, what it is that you've got to do to sort of keep the ball rolling in the right direction. And, and you know, we're very short-sighted. We usually work from one crisis to another. And when we get a crisis done in our lives, we sort of forget about it and just move forward. And until we run into something really big and we're reminded that we just can't do big things without God's help. Bigger challenges come along and they can get really big and they can just sort of keep us in a corner and keep us down, crotched down, wondering what to do. And the purpose of this series we're in is to talk about God's stories. And today we're talking about when you need help, because you do need help, I need help, and how God's intersection comes along to help us solve a problem. Even those problems when it doesn't look like there is an answer that's obvious, when, when it seems like maybe God is slow to respond. Maybe you have prayed a lot for the same thing, and it's like he hasn't given you the answer that you wonder, want, and, and the one that you have just craved. And so as I was prepping for this message, I started wondering about you and your lives, and I, I wonder what you're praying for right now. I wonder what some of you are craving from God. I know that some of you are praying prayers that you know can only be fulfilled because God does something big. I know that. And those are good prayers, by the way. And maybe those are the best kinds. But those prayers sometimes come with an emotional agony as we crave some help with God. The human experience is just emotional, and that gets in the way. The human experience is sinful, and that gets in the way. So, so we need help. We need help, and we need to recognize that we need help. And I will tell you right off the top this morning, God wants to help. So would everybody say that with me? God wants to help. Ready? God wants to help. You need to remember that. I want you to know that in your heart, in your spirit, in your faith journey, and I want you to believe it, that God is not trying to escape from us. He's not trying to be hit. He's trying to help. And I believe that you need that and you know that. And I want you to enjoy knowing that because that's how God's stories are written. When God starts helping and you let him help. i got to be straight with you, however, when it comes to that help, God has a hard lesson for each of us. And that lesson is this. The way he helps us is to teach us to win his way. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. So that's what we're really going to talk about today when we need help, but how God wants to teach us how to do it His way. And how He teaches you and what it takes for you to come through that time of teaching becomes your God's story. Last week I talked about Gideon experience, this guy that was called a judge in ancient Israel, and how in Judges 6, which we were on for a couple of weeks, his experience led to a, a, a change of life. It led to a conversion for him. And that conversion was a spiritual encounter. And let me remind you, your conversion is not meant to be the last time you encounter the Spirit of God in a big way. 
The Spirit of God is intended to be a lifelong companion, a lifelong gift given to us by God, this thing called the Holy Spirit, because we can't make it without it. In fact, it's supposed to be a daily encounter. We talk about people that are walking in the Spirit. We talk about someone else that maybe we admire and we say, oh, they just walk in the Spirit. They're just amazing, Spirit-filled people. What does that mean? It means they're having a daily experience knowing and sensing and believing in the encounter of God. God is everywhere. God is ready. We just tend not to access Him. We tend not to seek to find Him. That's why Jesus said one time, Seek! Seek, you'll find. Because guys, here's the deal. We can't make it through life without the Holy Spirit helping us. And so before we get into the passage with the judges, I want to share a, a short lesson on the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. This is an encounter. This is the daily encounter. This is the thing that God does daily in our lives. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, this is what it's going to be about. Okay, it's a short lesson. This is everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit. Brief lesson, but first of all, the Holy Spirit, He is a teacher. Okay, God and the Holy Spirit teaches John 14 and 26, Jesus said, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. Okay, so I'm asking you this morning, what is God willing to teach you? Tell me. All things. Is there anything God cannot address in your life? No. Is there something God doesn't know? No. He's willing to teach you everything you need to know. That's huge. Your mom and daddy don't know everything. You know, when we, they really don't. Now, don't take that home and turn that against them, Walsworth boys. I know how you guys are. Don't do that. Don't be saying the preacher said you don't know everything. And I'll be in, I'll lose my job. But I'm telling you, none, we're, we're, we're limited by our humanness. God is not limited. He is limitless. And he knows all things. And so the reason that Jesus could say he'll teach you all things is because God is the source of all things. And it's huge. God is a teacher. God taught Gideon in the story we're going to read today. And God teaches you. Secondly, he is a reminder. Okay? He is a reminder-er. John 14, 26. Again, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance... All that I have said to you. Okay? Simple stuff. But this is what it means to walk in a daily experience with the Holy Spirit. He teaches you things. And then He reminds you of things. He reminds you so that you can absorb it and you can learn it and it can go into your soul. And this is how and why He's called a helper to us in the Scripture. An advocate, a counselor. John 14. I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate help you and be with you forever the spirit of this is so good this is so good this word advocate that's in my version of the bible i'm using today the niv it comes from a greek word that can be translated a number of different ways and it can be hard to get the right word in scripture sometimes just one word to give us the full meaning of what god was trying to say but this word means helper friend partner Attorney, advocate. Those are all the things the Holy Spirit is. He's an advocate for you. This is huge. So he's a teacher and a counselor and a guide and an advocate for you spiritually. 
The Holy Spirit's a built-in source of wise teaching, all-knowing counsel for you, nothing he doesn't know. And he reveals things to us. He helps us see the truth, helps us understand it, helps us get it. And then he reminds us of what we got. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And this allows it to get built into your soul. If you're just starting your faith journey, your soul may be needing to just grow and learn and absorb. But if you've been walking in faith for a while, it's possible God has taught you some lessons. And you remember those. And the Holy Spirit brings to mind what He taught you. And you stand on those lessons and you gain peace from that. He helps you remember what He's done for you. I love this so much. All this happens behind the scenes of your soul. Thirdly, He's an empowerer. Okay? Acts 1 and 8 says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses. Again, the the words of Jesus. Power. Power is what... It's not a mystery word there. It means power, ability, energy, strength, electricity to witness and serve God outrageously. You can't do it on your own. God knows that. So he sends you a source of power in the Holy Spirit. We need his help. This is how he helps. This help is important because we can be weak. Romans 8.26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. So when you pray, when you hunger, when you seek the Holy Spirit to guide you, teach you, remind you, advocate for you, guess what he's going to do? He's going to do that. And it's going to give you a surge of spiritual strength and experience. I love it. Hear that. You may be weak in your spirit, but through God you become strong. So keep all that in mind, that really short sermon on the Holy Spirit there. As we read about Gideon's story in Judges chapter 7, If you remember the last time, Gideon had been reluctant and cynical when God called him to go and lead an army against the invaders, the terrorists who were overwhelmingly beating up the people of God. But then he had a power moment with God. He had a spiritual encounter at an altar, and he found his peace, and even named the altar peace. Then by God's command, he tore down the altar to a false god, and it happened to be his dad's altar. So he went in his dad's backyard, tore down the false god altar, created a ruckus. It was amazing. And then he blew a horn and sent out word to gather troops to come together. The same guy that had been hiding in fear from the enemy is now brilliantly, boldly blowing trumpets and calling people and sending messengers and saying, come on, help me, let's go attack the enemy. That's the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Power of the Holy Spirit takes you when you don't see how it's possible for you to do something and you become capable of doing it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit at work. And so here we are in Judges chapter 7. He's blown the horns. He sent out word. This is what happens. Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, now he's given a new name. The name came from his father and some of the folks that were standing around watching him as he tore down the altar. His father came out to defend him. And the name means this, Jerub, Baal, or Baal. It means something like God fights back. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. God turns the tables. That's how I interpret it. It's a cool new name for Gideon. And here's where it goes. Early in the morning, Gideon and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. 
The camp of Midian, that's the enemy, was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, I love it, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. That's what they're going to say. So, announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. So 32,000 guys showed up. And 22,000, he said, if any of you are afraid, you can go home. 22,000 went home. How many of you would be in the 22,000? Probably me. God, you have to, oh, Lord, I don't want to get beat up. I promise. I mean, it was cool that you blew the horn and all. This is a great idea. But if you're saying some of us can go home, I want to do that. So they went home. All right. Then the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. Now, this is a strange story, but this is how God did it. This is how God teaches him. And he says, if I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So God says, literally, I'm going to help you choose the dudes that are going to go with you to fight. It's not going to be 32,000. It's going to be less than 10,000. So Gideon took the men down to the water. And there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. Mm. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelite homes home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. 32,000 men responded. 32,000 came out of hiding, were inspired by Gideon in this spiritual change, and said, we'll go help you win. That's a miracle. And you've got to know that Gideon is thrilled when he sees 32,000. Any old school infantry books, not so much anymore, they're going to tell you that the first thing you need is a lot of men on the ground. That's the way it used to be. You need bodies to win a fight. Gideon can see this because this army is huge. You can't even count how many there are, like the sands of the, of the beach. And even though I'm, I know he, he already knows that it's not enough if God doesn't help, I know that's how I would feel. 32,000 wouldn't feel like it's even enough. Because like I said, the description of the number of the enemy in one place in the Bible said it was like swarms of locusts. And they had camels and all kinds of equipment. And so I think if I were him, I'm still praying. I'd be wondering, okay, God, 300 does not feel comfortable to me. Still wondering what God's going to do. He's thinking if he's smart, I'd like to go recruit some more. But God sees the situation differently. And that's an important thing to write in your notes or in your Bible somewhere. God sees things differently. God does, because God has a great advantage. He sees everything about you, everything about your past, everything about your present, and everything about your future. He sees everything, and he knows everything about you. He, he sees us from our beginning to our end, and even into eternity. And he also sees this world that we live in. God is really awesome. And by the way, 
He commands this world. He can interrupt it. He does all the time. We just don't give him credit. He sees things differently because he can. You see things differently than maybe a child that you gave birth to. They want to go and play in the street. You know it's not a good idea. They don't know that. But you know you've got experience because you played in the street as a, in the street as a kid and you got hit. I have a nephew that played in the street and he got hit and hurt his leg really bad. To this day has scars. God sees things differently. And God explained it to him. He said, Gideon, you have too many men. I'm not going to deliver Midian into your hands this way because you guys would boast against me. You would say, it's our strength that saved us. Now that's a tough reaction from God to me. If I were Gideon, I'm kind of shocked. I would not expect that. Here's another thing you got to know about God. He does stuff you don't expect. He does stuff you can't plan. He does things in a way that you can't even ask for. You're just asking for God's help. And he starts doing it. And he does things that you can't even calculate. That's God. If I were Gideon, I'm shocked. It looks like a guaranteed loss. Swarms of people versus 300. That's less than 1% of the volunteers. Swarms of trained fighting camel riding cavalry who are very familiar with invading and raiding the Midianites and all their buddies were good at this. They've been through training and they've been fighting and killing people all their lives. Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children who laid along the valley looked like grasshoppers. Their camels were without numbers. Amazing. Amazing. That's a ton of people. It's a ton of people that are standing against God's people. You can't even count how many they are. But they're the, they're, they were called Bedouin fighters. And they were among the first, historically, to use camelback fighters as assault weapons. They were devastating. Versus 300 guys who've been hiding. No training whatsoever. On foot, farmers, craftsmen, accountants probably, and a few artists. That's Israel. And further... They've been beaten down by life. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to those times in life where you just have no strength? I have no idea what to do about that. Have you ever said that? Raise your hand. I have no idea what to do. Yeah, no idea. It's a big teaching point for us that God does have an idea. It's not the first time that God taught this idea to his people. It's not going to be the last. God says it several times in the scripture. First Samuel 17 and 47. You should, rem- you should memorize this. It's really good. The Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Great words. These words were spoken by a young guy named David as he was standing up to a giant on behalf of the people of Israel. He said those words. You can make fun of me if you want to, giant, but the Lord doesn't save with swords and spears. This battle belongs to God. This child understood this principle that God wants you and me to understand. David understood it really young in his life. David's an amazing character, spiritual guy, and he saw this thing with his heart, that God is bigger than any enemy. And God wants Gideon and all of Israel to know that their win that they need, that God has already promised, is not going to come through their strength, but through the power of God. There's a principle again in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. You probably know this one. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now you may know those scriptures, 
with your head, but somehow we need to come to know them with our hearts. That God is bigger than our battles. God is great. And the way we think the battle is going to be won is probably not going to be won. Holy Spirit. That's what this is about. Important, he says there, by my spirit. See, Gideon didn't have a New Testament. He didn't attend Harmony Church. He didn't understand what you and I understand today. So he's dealing with God in a very different way. It's like, I I don't know how to put it, but it's like, it's just spiritual. It's the same God that's teaching us, and he's teaching him. And God is teaching the principle for fighting battles in life. And he's just doing it through the angel or this angel experience, and he's doing it in his heart, and God is teaching him lessons. And he's going to teach him a huge lesson about a with a very, very big enemy. And so I want to point out something about that lesson that he's learning. Gideon and the guys are not trying to conquer the Midianites so they can gain some land and territory or or have a win under their belt. They didn't pick the fight. There's no greed there. They are fighting simply to be delivered. Just like you and I fight. In life, we're often in a situation where we're not trying to win in order to conquer. We're trying to survive. We're just trying to keep everything in the correct lane. I was talking to a pastor friend this week, and he says, I'm just trying to remember which way is up, because I just don't know. I hope you can receive this. God knows all that about you. He knows it. He knows that you need to be delivered. He knows that you're weak. He knows that it's been hard. He knows there are moments that are exceptionally hard. God knows that. And God also knows that you have an enemy. He knows that the devil works to disrupt this world, that there's always somebody trying to conquer you, always something, your world and the plan that God has for you. The devil's going to lose, but he works at stealing things from you. So I want to do a really short lesson on the devil, okay? We've talked about the Holy Spirit. There's no comparison, but I'm just going to do this quick lesson on devilness, short lesson on the devil. The first thing is he is a lying fighter. He fights us with lies. And here's what he does. He tries to trap you in sin. Okay, that's the first thing your enemy does. Now, maybe it's not a terrorist army stealing your crops from you, but he is out there trying to trap you in sin. Second Timothy alludes to that. They will come to their senses. That's what we're praying for, and escape from the trap of the devil. Would you say that? Trap of the devil. Okay. Does the devil set traps? Everybody say yes. Okay, he does. Sets traps. He tempts you. He's taking them captive to do his will. He's talking about common people, people that got caught up in arguments about sin and God and how Satan trapped them. Okay. He tries to trap you in sin and keep you somewhere. If he can get you sinning, he can find a way to make your life miserable. He also He tries to steal from you. The Holy Spirit reminds you of great things that God has done, and Satan tries to steal that reminder from you, tries to take it right away from you. Matthew 13, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, Jesus said, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. Satan is a thief. Nobody likes thieves. He tries to stop you from winning and enjoying what God has given, what God has planned. 
That's what he does every day. 1 Thessalonians 2, we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did, Paul said, as he wrote to the Thessalonian church. We did again and again. This is an alarming phrase in the scripture. But Satan stopped us. That's alarming, okay? So, not trying to make you feel afraid, I just want you to know, you have an enemy. He wants to stop you. He wants to get you to sin. He wants to disrupt your life. He wants to stop you from winning. And so you feel that sometimes more than others. It's happening all the time. Some days you feel like a roaring soldier for God, and other days you feel like a huge failure. And that's the battle. And Satan influences others, and those other people influence your life, and they may try to get in front of you as you walk for God. But I want to go back to the top of the sermon. God wants to help. And he's capable. Okay? And here's what God wants to teach us. This is God's syllabus. Here it is. It's in your notes. You are not alone in your battles. You're not alone. This is not a test for you. This is not a situation where if you mess it all up, God's upset with you. God just simply wants you to know, I'm with you. In fact, the battle with evil that we face isn't even ours, according to the Scripture. It's the Lord's. 1 Samuel 17 again, The Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. You need to know that. This battle I am in is God's battle. See, that takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Changes everything. But God, there's an enemy trying to steal my life, trying to destroy my marriage, trying to disrupt things in my life. God says, that's my battle. But God, there's this thing happening. It's right on the horizon. What am I going to do? God says, that's my battle. Let me fight it. So do what I tell you to do. Do it my way. Do it my way. God wants you to know He's in a position. Step in. Step up in your life. And you're not to fight the battles against sin and destruction. God fights. And so with Gideon, we see this wonderful, bizarre tale unfold. And God is simply trying to teach him and teach history. Do it my way. And God's way is to go up against this army that you can't even count, who have camels and all kinds of cool uniforms and gear and stuff, and narrow the number of fighters down. 32,000 show up. Nope, says God. 10,000. Nope, says God. 300. Yeah, that's what I want. And then they get pots and torches and trumpets. Now I want you to understand something. There's nothing in the scripture here that says any of them got a spear or a shield they got a torch, a pot to cover the torch, and trumpets. God's sending them out there to attack this army. And they look like a bunch of band nerds. <laughs> They're trumpet players. They can sidestep and march backwards, dance a little bit, play the B-flat concert scale. They don't have any guns. God says, take your trumpet. Wow. Interesting. No weapons. That's okay with God. Because once again, God wants to teach you to win God's way. He wants Gideon and all of Israel to get it. 
They must depend on God. That's the lesson we got to learn, guys. He wants you to know the same thing. Winning God's way in life means depending on Him, depending on God. And when He intersects in our lives to lead us to a win, He's going to do it His way. And it's the right way. There's no other way to win a spiritual battle because you're not capable of it anyway. And so Gideon, now with this force of 300 men, prepares to attack the Midianites. And here's what happens. Just 7, verse 16, Scripture says, Dividing the 300 men into three companies, that's a hundred each, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all the men with torches inside the jars. God says, give me three of your best men, three of your best band students, and we're going to whip them. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it with surprise. And I'm telling you, when this thing unfolds, the army of the enemy had no idea what hit him. So he says this, watch me, follow my lead. Suddenly he's a leader. He's not a guy hiding out that's being reluctant. He's leading. He's saying, watch me, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. Okay, there's a whole sermon right there. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Imagine. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just after they have changed guards, they blew their trumpets. They broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets, smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands. It's dark, it's scary. And holding in their right hands the trumpets, they were to blow, and they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And while each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, and the Bible says, crying out as they fled. So all these tough terrorist dudes are crying. They're afraid. They're running. They've been surprised. They don't have any clue. They had no idea that something so strategic and amazing could happen. And when the 300 trumpets sounded, see, I love this, being a band guy. I just love that God took a band and, and won a battle like this. And these horns start blowing and the Lord, and I'm, I'm sure they had all kinds of harm. I, just, I don't know. The Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. And so they started killing themselves. The army fled as far as the border. And then Israelites from Naphtali and Asher and Manasseh were called out and they pursued the Midianites. It's a great story, okay? And I believe it happened. And here's the deal. God's way means a lot of things for us. It can feel strange. It can feel uncomfortable. But there's something else to understand about God's way. There's two principles. I think they're very important. The enemy is not as strong as he appears. You need to remember that. Satan comes to you lying. Situations come to you that appear devastating. But God's way means understanding, first of all, that no enemy is too big for God. Zero. No enemy too big. Big, tough army, amazing, frightening to behold, sands of the seaside in number. But when frightened, they freak out like kids. They attack each other. They look like stooges crying and they run home to their moms. They turn on each other and they start killing themselves. Here's the deal. Nobody's bigger than God. Nothing in life is bigger than your God. Bigger than you may, maybe. Not bigger than God. 
So if we're going to come to understand that God is on our side, this is something we need to learn to enjoy. Because here's another point. You need to take this in your hearts today. You are not as weak as you think. Paul, Paul said something astonishing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. This scripture always gets me. Paul said, For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's, that is so good. Paul is coming to understand that the way to be strong with God is to be weak before him. He says this because he learned about this. He learned that God shines in our weaknesses when we learn to let God fight the battles and do it his way. I mean, you may look around you and recognize all the things you've done to make yourself powerful. You're not powerful to God. God knows everything about you. He knows your weaknesses. And here's the point. God wins with our weaknesses. It's a thought I want you to ponder. Gideon was small in number anyway. 32,000 men couldn't win that battle. Not really, not conventionally. So God took their weakness and made them even smaller. He took the thing that was the worst thing about them, small and untrained, and he said, that's exactly what I'm going to use. Your weaknesses are what God can use. The parts of you you think are, are just weak and, and sad. That's what God wants to use. And then God did something great with Gideon and these 300 band students. He gave them strategy. Okay? He gave them his strategy. God's strategy is way better than human strength. This Bible that we're preaching about this morning is filled with strategy. How did Gideon do it? How did Paul do it? How did Jesus do it? That's strategy. Listen to the strategy and watch it create for you strength in your life. God's strategy is better than human strength any day. So you may feel weak, but you have strategy when you follow God's way. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. That's huge. The big questions of life are answered at an altar before God. That's what Prepare to win in life. We present ourselves to God. We become His. That's soul work. And the work God wants to do inside of us is the work that I'm trying to get you to as you start 2022. To become His and, and to, be, to stay His. And then God's going to lead you through battle after battle. It may look weak on your part, but God gives us strategy. Here's a few of them. God gives us prayer. That's a strategy. That's not a weakness. He gives you Holy Spirit, fire, and power. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit every Sunday morning when I'm in this room because I know that without the power of the Holy Spirit, my words are empty. They're just nothing without God to light them up in your heart. Brothers and sisters who pray with me, that's strategy. The promises of God wrapped up in Jesus who, who loved you more than you can even understand. 
That's strategy, and all that is yours if you're a believer today. So guys, I want to leave you with this this morning. We do engage in battles in life. They're all the time. You've got some you're going through now. Some of them are really hard. Those of you that are online this morning, you count. You're going through things, and maybe you're online this morning because you're facing a very difficult time. You're engaged in something. But I want you to know something. We engage in the battle in a position of predetermined victory if we seek to win God's way. Before the attack ever happened, before God sent Gideon out there, God told Gideon they had already won. 1 John 4 and 4 says this, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You are stronger than you believe. The enemy is not as strong as he thinks or as you think. God has said, if you'll follow me, you've won already. Please receive that. Please listen to that. Making decisions, trying to get through the school day, trying to figure out how to accomplish things. You know, it's one thing to be praying for God to bless you as you go buy groceries. It's another thing to be praying for God to save your marriage. It's another thing to be praying, God, heal my body. Help me lead my family. You know, God bless this day. That's a cool prayer. It's another thing to say, let me be a bright example where I work. Those are the battles that we face, and God says, those are all mine too, including going to the grocery store, because he's with you everywhere. He's an amazing God. You just got to believe it. If you'll believe it and you'll let it happen, there'll be some fire start breathing in your heart. You'll look different to other people. You'll start tearing down some altars to false gods. Maybe there's some in your life that you need to tear down. Never know. Holy Spirit will guide you. That's the good part. He's a teacher to us. So lean on him today. Would you bow your heads? Father, this morning we're unbelievably, unbelievably convinced sometimes that we are just too weak. But God, remind my friends that you will take our weaknesses and maybe those very same weaknesses and use that to win the battles around us. I want to thank you for that, God. I know for sure I'm the band student. I'm the guy, Lord, that is reluctant. I don't like problems. I like everything to be fixed before it happens. That's me. But I thank you, God.